Hello, and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading emerging markets information and advisory services firm. We partner with business leaders at over 200 multinational companies by providing them with research, analytical tools, and data to help power their emerging markets business strategies. The focus of today's podcast is Venezuela's 2016 outlook. My name is Joel Whitaker, and I'm the global head of research at Frontier Strategy Group. I'm joined today by Antonio Martinez, FSG's practice leader for Latin America Research. Welcome, Antonio. Thanks, Joel. It's great to be here. As a reminder, FSG's Venezuela research and all of our content is available via our portal at FrontierStrategyGroup.com or via your FSG iPad application. Uh, well, let's get into it. This is a business podcast, of course, but uh, today we'll really be starting with some recent political events. We've seen really the most profound loss for Venezuela's Chavista movement in nearly two decades of rule, with the opposition parties gaining a two-thirds majority in the National Assembly. So it's a significant political change, uh, which will have, we hope, uh, economic ripple effects, and it's scrambling a lot of MNC strategies. Antonio, you talk to our clients on the ground all the time. In a nutshell, how have our client executives reacted to this milestone election? I think they have been pleasantly surprised. I mean, no one was surprised by the fact that the opposition got a larger share of the vote, given the economic conditions on the ground in Venezuela. Uh, but no, I would say most of our clients, few of them, expected uh, the government to allow the opposition to attain two-thirds majority. Even a simple majority would have been much more likely. So they've been pleasantly surprised over the long term, although I would say it has not necessarily meant that they have become significantly more optimistic for next year, which still remains incredibly volatile, incredibly uncertain. Mm -hmm. So on the ground, they're not feeling so confident. How about you? You know, you, you've been analyzing this market for years for us. How does this election result change your expectations for 2016? Are you any more optimistic? I would say I'm not particularly more optimistic for 2016, simply because in the end, uh, this is just the opposition winning the National Assembly as of right now. Uh, and uh, President Maduro remains the president, although, of course, the two-thirds majority may provide at least a little bit more ability for the opposition to take back some control. But again, let's just say uh, the 2016 outlook uh, for the, for the po political situation uh, does not augur well for the economy. Okay, so let's go back and, and kind of unpack what's happened for listeners who have not been following the news closely in Venezuela. The opposition uh, has been you know, monitored very closely by outside analysts. People were hoping this would be a watershed election. What do you think is the major reason that the opposition was successful this time around? How did they pull it off? I think the major reason has to be absolutely the state of the economy. Um, if you're looking in terms of how much the, the economy has contracted in 2014, which was around 4%, and this year, coupled with and cemented by the, the, the decline in oil prices, as well as uh, the government's uh, lack of an adjustment measures with a contraction of about 9% uh, for 2015, uh, not exactly the best environment to deal with uh, to confront this kind of situation. And the government's reaction has been, on the whole, feckless and kind of disconnected from reality without much of a, uh, measures where that actually take into account any kind of solution to kind of growing economic imbalances, which are driving the, the economy over a cliff, and more specifically, household incomes pushing more and more Venezuelans into poverty. 
the coalition politics here are, are also an important part of the equation, right? It's not a single opposition party that's managed to achieve a majority, but rather uh, several together. Uh, I think folks who've been monitoring this market, we know they'll see uh, Capriles mentioned, they'll see Lopez mentioned, and those folks are not all on the same page. So talk a little bit about the coalition dynamics that have that have come together and how united they really are. Well, I would say they're more united in a couple of key factors or keep policies. And one of them is certainly to free the kind of the, the political prisoners. Uh, amnesty law will be one of the first things that gets through, as well as obviously reducing the control and authority and power of the of the Chavistas over government institutions. I mean, those are where you see a lot of agreement. Unfortunately, uh, on economic policy, beyond some of the proposals the opposition has come out with, uh, which let's just say don't actually, for the most part, don't deal directly with the macro measures or macro adjustments that need to happen, but deal with a lot more micro uh, improvements that, although on the whole very good for Venezuela, will not actually lead to anything without stabilization measures. And that's still Maduro's kind of it's his responsibility. And, and where there are significant disagreements between the coalition partners, is that based on the different segments of the population that they represent or the different political sort of ideologies that drive their, their background? Yeah, when you look at the ideologies in the opposition, it's everything from kind of chavismo light of certain uh, opposition figures to social democrats to kind of liberals and, conser- and free market kind of conservatives. Uh, it's a broad coalition with not a lot of agreement on kind of the role of the state, other than say, let's make sure that we don't do what the Ch- the, the Chavez government, Chavez and Maduro governments have done. Uh, there's not a lot of agreement there, and of course, it's certainly differences of opinion in t- or focus in terms of how quickly to push back against the government, and focus on getting rid of Maduro and getting rid of the Chavistas. And there's always a difference between the radical and moderate factions. The radical faction tends to be a stronger portion of the kind of the base middle class and up voters of the opposition. But the ones more focused on economics and more the more moderate factions tend to be those that want to kind of fight for uh, kind of those lower income voters that make up the base of Chavismo. So there's definitely a lot of uh, differences and divisions within the opposition with basically what unites them is simply just opposition to Maduro. So it would be a mistake for for outsiders to think of this as a conventional left-right breakdown where a leftist government has really been replaced in the legislature by a a right-wing or a conservative or business-friendly party. It's much more complicated than that. Well, I would say almost everyone in the opposition is more business-friendly than the current government, which isn't a very high bar to do. You know, to hit. True enough. But I would say basically the basically the problem is that uh, unlike say in a country like we just saw in Argentina, where you had a center right victory uh, from a pretty cons- relatively conservative politician coming to power, unlike in that market, what you have is a much broader situation coalition of center left, center right, and centrist forces that make it very clear that there's not necessarily a lot of appetite for the kind of economic shock measures uh, that might be necessary uh, in the short term. But again, you can say that about the, the, the legislature. It really is a decision that needs to come down from the executive. And I think that's probably the most important thing companies need to really think about when they're talking about Venezuela. 
Yeah, so excellent point. So President Maduro isn't up for re-election in the standard cycle until 2018, although there is a lot of talk about finding ways to get him out through a recall election or somehow otherwise push for his resignation. Uh, what do you see in 2016 in terms of the politics between the legislative and executive branches? Basically, from now until January 5th, you're seeing a lot of jostling on the part of the government and the opposition. Basically, the, the government is trying to do everything it can to limit the ability of the opposition to implement any kind of measures. Uh, and this is everything from setting up a kind of a parallel co- communal uh, legislature uh, unelected legislature that would, uh, to some extent, try to circumvent some of the powers of the, of the National Assembly to basically packing the courts, uh, among other measures. After that, then you got to start thinking, basically, Maduro is slated to talk to the, uh, to about kind of his, the kind of the equivalent of State of the Union within 10 days, basically since January, by January 15, although, of course, that can be delayed. I would say that's the period where companies really need to start paying attention to because you will get a very clear picture within the next six to, I say, two months, six weeks to two months of whether or not uh, the government's going to move towards some kind of negotiation with the opposition to implement uh, necessary economic reforms, or you're just going to see higher contestation. If we're talking about potentially a transition, that opens up in April. Uh, as of April, that's when uh, the opposition can go ahead with a a referendum through a couple of means. One, through the legislature, uh, basically just call for a national referendum, a national recall referendum, or get signatures. Uh, I think it's at least 4 million signatures, which is not very attractive at this point, given that they have two-thirds majority. Or and what I think is actually something that's probably more likely is actually some kind of constitutional assembly. Uh, essentially reform the Constitution, uh, in a sense, remove uh, Maduro from a position, kind of limit, create some new term limits, and actually have an election uh, in 2016. So you could see Maduro gone by the middle of 2016 if constitutional niceties are respected. If uh, the only real available avenue for achieving Maduro's ouster ends up being a constitutional convention, was that something that could happen by the middle of next year, or would that be a longer time frame? Yes. No, it could definitely happen by the middle of next year. I mean, it would not take too much. Again, when you have a two-thirds majority, theoretically at least, that gives you a lot of leeway in what you can do. But again, it, it has to kind of come to the mindset that I expect that the government is going to do everything it can to delay that, uh, as they have in the past, or basically put up as many uh, obstacles in the way. Uh, and the problem is, it's not as, as if in this economic, in these economic circumstances, Venezuela has a lot of time on its, in its hands to deal with the its economic issues. In the fourth quarter of next year, you have basically uh, Venezuela owes a sign- about $10 billion in sovereign debt that it needs to be pay-, pay. That's going to be very difficult to see them not default. And in a political environment of a lot of acrimony between the opposition and the government, uh, let's just say prospects for economic reform are not good at this point. Yeah. So the economic clock is ticking even faster than the political clock. Yes, and it's not it's not immune by anything by what's happening between the government and the opposition. Honestly, at this point, it's become very clear that nothing 
I think, well, I wouldn't say it's become entirely clear, but it seems unlikely that the economy is going, that the government is going to implement the economic measures necessary under Maduro. So really the only prospect for even a mild, like even a half-hearted adjustment is increasingly clear that it would have to come through some kind of change in government. But again, we will know this probably by mid-January to mid-February of next year. Yeah, so the the battle lines will be drawn. Now, let's talk about this from the economic perspective. Uh, what are the components of the best case scenario here? Uh, what should we be watching for? What are you watching for? The signposts of positive economic moves. Are they going to come from the legislature? Are there other kinds of uh, initiatives that could be taken that, that might provide us some positive signals? If you want the basically the best kind of outcome in the short term for the economy, it is that the opposition and the government over the next few months negotiate kind of an agreement to implement some of the economic reforms that we've talked about for many years, deal with the uh, multiple exchange rate system, deal with the uh, very high uh, fiscal deficit, um, as well as price controls to kind of at least get the economy running back to normal, coupled with basically the government. Uh, allowing or giving more space, political space to the opposition, particularly in terms of its uh, representation in other government institutions such as the Supreme Court and the Electoral Commission. That is the best case in the short term because then you would actually get these, these reforms made and you would have a certain level of political stability. Long term, well, at least some will say the best outcome is simply to have the opposition take out Maduro by the middle of next year come with a new election with a, an opposition with a mandate to make economic changes. And then you have a situation where the government goes, that new government is able not only to implement macroeconomic stabilization, but really pro-business, pro-market reforms that get the economy on a growth, on a very high growth path again. So on those near-term issues, let's come back to two of them, the uh, reform on price controls and the exchange rate, the very complicated exchange rate structure. Those are two critical aspects for international companies to have a kind of normal way of doing business with such an important market like Venezuela. But politically, there are winners and losers when you make a change in those areas. There'd be some pain associated with the proper uh, orthodox economic reform. How is that political dynamic going to play out in a legislature where the opposition may have a majority, but it has fractures within itself? Well, actually, the the opposition, and this is kind of uh, interesting, in terms of the the policy proposals that the opposition has uh, kind of muted that they will try to attempt on issues such as pensions, property, uh, rights uh, for people who have received uh, government housing, other measures in terms of kind of focalizing certain subsidies. The opposition is already putting a lot of the kind of the, how do you say, the sweeteners to deal with the bitter pill of taking away the price controls, taking away uh, the currency control. As one local uh, economic analyst put it, if the opposition were to try to impose kind of austerity measures, you know, basically you'd be plowing the sea. It will not have any positive impact because unless you have the government's full commitment and credibility to implement these measures, well, you're just going to do is if you take off the currency controls and take out the price controls, you will only just lead towards kind of a, an inflation loop, an inflation and devaluation loop. 
and that would lead us to no, nowhere uh, in terms of the, the economy's performance. Got it. So there's no easy path, uh, even from the opposition perspective. Uh, I guess last sort of political question, take us into the mind of the executive on, on the government side. Uh, Maduro's got to be facing some tough choices and, and also some of the leaders of the Chavista party around him. Uh, may view him more as a liability than as a benefit at this point. How is that playing out in the executive mansion? I would say the the basic fact that even under these economic circumstances, the government was able to attain 42% of the vote. To some extent, although not nearly as much as probably they were hoping for, does mitigate a lot of their the kind of positive standpoint of not doing any kind of adjustment this year, because the basic fact is that they went from 24%, 25%, uh, popularity to 42% of the vote six weeks ago, from six weeks ago. To some extent, that's the basic issue. Uh, if Maduro was confident of his position, uh, he would be go very quickly towards making some kind of agreement with the opposition because, again, if he can at the very least limit the prospects for a recall referendum, you know, three years is more than enough time to get the economy back to growth and in a better position if you make the kind of hard decisions now. The problem is that would undercut his support within Chavismo, and he is not confident that he can keep that, maintain that. So to a certain extent, they're in an impossible situation. Yeah, so there's you know, the prospects of major economic reform uh, under, under Maduro, especially given his political situation, is extremely limited. But again, they, the government, the president has, uh, let's just say, always surprised by not doing the, more, the most rash, taking the most rational decision. So that's why, to a certain extent, we're still in a wait and see mode in terms of what's going to happen in, in, I would say, about, in about a month. Got it. So uh, lots going to happen in the next month, and hopefully we'll have a lot more clarity from a business outlook perspective. Uh, what's the top two things that you're going to be monitoring across the next 30 days, Antonio? Um, essentially, a lot of the, the, probably the number one factor is simply how is the government going to react once the opposition is seated? Um, and, and also in that discussion that they're going to have even behind the scenes, but even just during that kind of the state of the union equivalent for Maduro, if you actually start seeing greater moderation. If not, if you see greater radicalism, then that tells me a lot that uh, we're heading for a very, even more difficult 2016 and probably even further delays in an economy's recovery through 2017 and possibly into 2018. If I'm looking at another factor, is obviously also what the opposition is going to try to implement even beyond some of the kind of more political questions around, politi around basically amnesty for political prisoners. The government and the opposition are going to be fighting against each other to avoid any political cost from an adjustment. And we want what companies need to really be very clear on is, okay, let's see how the population reacts to the opposition strategy, whatever it ends up being, and whatever the response of the government will be over the next few months. Well, Antonio, thanks for uh, taking us through this with that level of clarity. It's a complex situation. Uh, the one thing I think we do know is that 2016 is not going to be business as usual in Venezuela. So we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for, for sharing your insights, and we'll uh, keep our clients posted. 
as a reminder to our clients, you can speak with Antonio or any of our analysts by scheduling time via your FSG account manager. And of course, you can always access our resources on Venezuela, uh, blog updates from Antonio and all of our other markets on our portal, which is FrontierStrategyGroup.com. This concludes our podcast for today. Happy holidays to everyone. And until next time, we wish you great outperformance in your emerging markets. Thank you.